0: Mindfulness mode.
1: They are either going to be tragic in our life or they're going to be magic, and it all comes back to one little thing that's ASK. We pivot our life positively or negatively, whether we're willing to ask or not.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, mindful tribe, sometimes maybe you are just a little bit hesitant to ask. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve whatever it is that you're thinking about asking for that you want. Well, there's a new book out there and I really encourage you to get your hands on it because it is really a terrific book. I absolutely loved reading it and even went back and reread different passages of this book and the book is simply called Ask and it's written by by two wonderful people that i'm sure you'll feel like you know them by the time you finish the book it's written by crystal dwyer hansen and mark victor hansen and i am so excited to say that they're here with me today right now so crystal are you in mindfulness mode today
2: i'm trying to be i try to stay in mindfulness mode because i find that my life goes so much more smoothly when I'm in mindfulness
0: mode. <laughs> and Mark, are you in mindfulness mode?
1: Well, it's interesting. That one of the things we teach in our book, Ask, is that you wake up every morning, and, and uh, we learned long ago that you should pray and meditate uh, out loud together. So we do that for an hour together every day, and then we also do it out loud before we go to sleep at night. How's that?
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: In answer to your question, from my point of view, we live in mindfulness, you know, So it's wonderful. And what you're teaching is magnificent.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. And what you teach is magnificent, too. So I want to ask you, Mark, what does mindfulness actually mean to you?
1: For me, it means that you're centered, you're calm, you're tranquil, you're 100 percent alive, you're fully functioning uh, spiritually, mentally and physically.
0: And Crystal, do you have anything you can add to that as to what mindfulness means to you? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, mindfulness to me being, being, means being present in this moment right now because the truth is, Bruce, most of us are either living in the past, our traumas of the past, or we're projecting our fears into the future. And, and it's really a sad way to live, and we don't need to live that way. And, and the truth is none of those things are real. When we live in the past, that's not, that's not real anymore. It's gone, and the future is not here yet. All we really have is this moment right now. So when we can learn to really stay in this moment and capture it for all it's worth, life becomes a lot more magical, really.
0: It truly does. And I love the fact that your book is very simply focused on that one three-letter word, ask. But I also love the subtitle, which is The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. So... Did you know what your destiny was? Did you have an idea? Did you have an idea way back when, Mark, that you were going to move in a path that would take you to where you are today?
1: I think it's an ever unfolding evolution of asking. And and what happened is when I went bankrupt, I asked myself, oh, my God, is this the end for me? Because I was ready to slash my wrists. And then I, I, you know, we're teaching in the book that you ask yourself, ask others and ask God. And I said, wow, if I could do anything, what do I want to do? I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life-transforming difference. And I started asking how to do it. I asked my roommates. They said, there's a guy out a little older than you doing it. I asked Chip Collins, how do you do this? Because he wowed 500 people, did that. And then all of a sudden, I, I said, well, people kept saying, do you have that in a book? They asked me, can I buy it in a book? And I didn't have it. So I asked myself, how do I do a book? I did a book called Stand Up, Speak Up, and Win. I tripled my income in one year by selling it in little bitty audiences, six people, twenty people at a time. I sold twenty thousand copies, self-published. I said, This isn't a New York Times bestseller, this is not a national bestseller, but it's my bestseller, and I want to autograph it to you. And I made two hundred thousand dollars. I thought i died and gone to heaven. I thought I was really important. I'll just tell you. But did I visualize it? I'd be world's best selling nonfiction author, get all the Guinness Book of Records fifty-nine times number one. Now, that's sort of a progressive, wonderful asking unfoldment, which is why we're asking everybody to get on this ask journey, because it'll transform your life.
0: Yes, and you really get that message clearly across as the reader, and in this case me. As I was reading the book, it really felt like, yes, I believe this. I really feel this in my bones that I can actually achieve this. So, Crystal, you've included these amazing Ask Gold Nuggets in the book, which are really like take action. Have you always been a take action kind of person?
2: I think I have. I, You know, when I don't like the way things are going, I want to figure out what's wrong. And I think I've always, um, without knowing it, been an asker. Even back, you know, when I was <laughs> at my worst times in my life, I like to figure out what is it? What's not working? What what do I need to change? And then take action from those answers that are delivered because we can't ask a question, Bruce, without getting getting an answer you know you start you just keep asking and asking suddenly you get a solution pops in your head you ask more questions suddenly you, you have an illumination that you didn't have before or you keep asking more questions and a plan starts to form and you go oh yeah that's what i could do or you get an idea like i need to call that person but you have to take action that's the thing and we have a, a section in the book called how to, how to prepare to be a good asker and First of all, it's you have to believe that those questions, those answers, are waiting out there for you, and that you deserve. You have to believe that you deserve them. And then the second part is taking action, right? The second step of preparing to be a good asker, because you can't just ask these questions and then sit around on the couch and wait for your life to change. As as the as God and the the universe and and your own brilliance delivers these answers to you, you need to take that step. It's prodding you to take that step. And what we found out, um, like Mark said, we discovered there are three channels through which to ask. And those are ask yourself, ask others and ask God. And each one of those is equally important. But what's funny is when you ask yourself a question, the studies show that literally a different part of your brain lights up and goes to work for you. And it's the part of your brain that does critical thinking. So wow, all of a sudden you're using your brain in a more resourceful way when you ask these questions.
0: Yes, you really are. And Mark, I loved how in your book you talk about the uh, seven roadblocks, and I really identified with some of these things, different times in my life, some of those roadblocks really reared their ugly head. Well, the first one, I think, is one that a lot of us suffer. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: I'd love to. Just so everybody knows, the seven roadblocks that affect all of us different at different times, And most of us, more than one at a time. And what what we're saying in our Ask book is, here's a mirror. Just look in the mirror. It's non-threatening. And when you start to catch on to it, you can transform out of it. And the first one is unworthiness. The next one is fear. False evidence appearing as real, which we'll go deep on any one of them. But we'll start with unworthiness in a second. The next one is excusology, where every one of us has some excuses, right? Well, I wouldn't get bullied if I was bigger, stronger, healthier, more good looking or all the women like me. Whatever the issue is, we all have those kind of issues. The one that we think is so hidden for most of us is we're disconnected. And and everyone says, are you kidding me? Don't you know I've got a cell phone? I'm connected. (laughs) You're not connected at all. What are you talking about? Social media and screen time is nice. Let's go back to the unworthiness one of the guys we interviewed in the book was wondering about being happiness. Greg Haig, who's been my friend for 40 years in Hirsch for as long as we've been married. And is a wonderful guy. And, and he had everything. He had two jets. He had lots of motorcycles, traveled around the world, multiple houses, big business, but he wasn't happy. He asked his friend, says, what, you know, I'm getting older. What do I do to be happy? He says, what's your definition of happiness? And he said, Oh my gosh, I don't have one. And, and so the guy said, well, Happiness is being passionately on purpose about something that's meaningful, important, and impactful to you. That'd be good enough. But then Greg had us talk to all of his company. He owns a giant billion-dollar company called 72-Hour Real Estate, headquartered here in Scottsdale, Arizona. But then he's listening to us talk about Bob Proctor, who's been my friend forever, but Bob was nobody from nowhere with no education, comes out of the military in in Canada. And uh, suddenly what what is happening is is he is in a, in a wonderful place, but he's not succeeding. He's a, a fireman making 4000 a month, earn, owes 6000 and he's unhappy, and he goes to somebody. Long story short, he makes himself exceedingly successful. But all of a sudden, holding that story up to Greg Haig, he said, oh my God, like what you just said, Bruce, I didn't realize in eighth grade, I imitated my father, who is called chubby, and I weighed over 305 pounds, and he said, I didn't really like myself. And I told my dad in eighth grade, I'm going to take my next door neighbor who's beautiful to the prom, my best friend. And every night, Dad said, Well, did you call her up? Did you set it up? And he said, He looked at the phone and it was fearfully frightening to him. And he said, I couldn't look at it. And after three days, he said, Because I said, No, I call. And she said, She was going with a football player. The next day, she said, Why didn't you call me? I wanted to go to the prom and you never called me. And he said, Oh my God, low self esteem and so lack of self worth. He didn't call her. She lost. He lost. And he said, the worst thing is I lied to my own father. And he said, I have had to forgive myself for that. So this is really critical stuff to learn how to ask to overcome and transform out of unworthiness.
0: It really is critical. You start the book off with a fable about Michaela. Can you share with our Mindful Tribe listeners a little bit about that and maybe why you chose that fable to start the book off?
2: Right, you know, um, I wanted to write, we thought it was, it's important to start with a story, a fable, you know, because it is a story and stories are like metaphors for our own lives. They truly are. The way our brains work, they work in patterns and really a metaphor just is a pattern for us to emulate. So Michaela is really every man, every woman's story. And she starts off literally hauling rocks every day, moving rocks from one place to another in a cart and honestly, Bruce, that's how a lot of people feel in their lives, especially right now. Like life is just so hard. All the joy had gone out of Michaela's life. She lost everything. She lost her mother, father, and then her house was taken away by the bill collectors because they had so much money from her mother's illness. And when she has nothing else to lose, she falls into a troubled sleep and she goes into a dream and this being appears and takes her on this journey and shows her this beautiful, sparkling bridge and gives her this message that changes her life. And that is, Michaela, all you need to do is start asking and never stop asking. And so the story unfolds from there. And Michaela can't get this out of her mind. And she's suddenly transformed just by that message. And she starts to come alive. She starts to wonder. She starts to ask herself about the people around her who are they what do they do what makes them what makes them tick and and all of a sudden she starts asking more questions and it's such a, a a beautiful unfoldment of her life and from the beginning of the story to the end her life completely transforms into this she discovers all of her gifts she discovers love and she discovers purpose and that is there for all of us Bruce and so we wanted to put that, um, we were going to break it up in four pieces. And Mark said, no, let's put the, the after I, 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 I wrote the fable of Michaela, because I'm, I'm blessed enough to have these dreams. And so I, Michaela, I gave Michaela these dreams because I have these dreams that kind of guide me. And I thought it, it's such a gift, you know, I want to kind of, those aren't my dreams exactly, but um, I took similar things, just different themes, And uh, it, it's just really powerful because I, we, I wanted to wake up the reader, just say your life is already magical. You're just not aware of it. And truly, the ability asking is like the key that unlocks every door because we won't ever understand what's there for us until we start asking the questions. And as we ask those questions, those answers continue to be revealed in the most magnificent way. It's it's the most life-changing tool you can implement
0: truly. Well, it was a beautiful way to start the book. And Mark, I want to ask you a question about the the writing of the book. I know that you cover so many important areas of life, personal, business, romantic, family life, spiritual. You've covered all of this in this book, Ask. When you first start out, what's your process? Do you lay out a structure and have like a whole guide of where you're going or does some of it unfold as you begin to write?
1: Both things are absolutely 100% true, but what, let me go backwards a step. And that is why did we write the book and why did we write a book called ask the bridge from your dreams, your destiny? Cause we think intrinsically everyone's got a destiny and it's really great. And for 99 to 9 percent, we believe it's unfulfilled until they learn the most magnificent secret gift of all. And it's inside outing, as we like to call it. It's the ability to ASK, to G-E-T, everything you want in every area of your life. And we've been in 80 countries around the world, talked to 7 million people live, had, have the most magnificent fulfilled life. But like everybody, it pulsates. It goes up and down it has good and bad and the ugly, so to speak. And we said, hey, wait a second. When we're in these traumatic times, wherever, however, What did we do? One thing always has always been the same. We asked our way out of it. And then so we said, well, let's write to that. And we'd never written a book together. We'd written, both of us written a lot, but never together. And we had this magical journey. Then we did our full homework and did all the Harvard and Stanford and Cambridge studies, all of which came out the same thing. Everybody is basically afraid, scared, intimidated, low self-esteem, whatever it is to ask. I mean, we can go 12 terms to that. But then we said, well... Why don't we do one other thing? We know all the people that are really successful. Why don't we ask? And what we discovered is 26 out of 26 people that had fulfilled life journeys that you just read about. And I'm so thankful. And you can pick any one of them and we can talk to it because they're all personal friends, all mastered asking. Like one little lady that had lost $3 billion in one company and made $2 billion in another is Rita Davenport. And Rita says, everybody's got to get their ask together. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> she's one of the funniest yeah. people ever. She's I'm so glad funny. you saw the humor. <laughs> a little dangerous humor, but she's wonderful.
0: <laughs> that is really, that is great. Crystal, I want you to clear something up for me once and for all. And yeah. I know that Mark just said, you know, everybody has a struggle with asking, but in my circle of friends and in my life, it seems there's this belief that women Will ask for directions, and a lot of times men will not ask for directions. Is there any truth to this? Is there any evidence that women are better at asking than men are?
2: I think in some respects they are. I think uh, I think women are better at asking for things that are not of of um, great consequence, like you know simple directions. Women are be- women are better at asking for things that because um, they're not afraid to look. Um, what you might say, uninformed as as much as men, you know, men is like, no, I don't need directions. Men have a little bit more of that excuses. Like the, we call that the stubborn pride under the excuses part, like, no, I don't need help. I can figure this out kind of thing. And the problem with that is that can really start to impact your life in negative ways, just like all of the roadblocks. If you are one of those people who thinks, no, I can figure everything out. I don't ever need help you are inhibiting your own growth. You are stopping your own progress because we are here to be a resource to one another. And it's so funny when you look at, we looked at the studies, people going into the study of asking, so the study was about asking people who are good askers, the ability to ask other people for things, right? People going into the study uh, felt like that if they asked, they would either be perceived as being, you know, stupid, uninformed, ignorant, or, pushy and obnoxious. And the studies reveal that all of, none of that is true, that people who ask more questions are actually more likable, perceived to be more likable, that in dating scenarios, if you, the more questions you ask, the more dates you get, and that if you ask, you're asking for help, you are 80% more likely to get your request granted, whether it's you need some information, you need some advice with something, you need a, a reference, a referral, things like that but so many of us hold back because of these roadblocks and you know who you are if I'm talking to you one of the roadblocks is is naivete and that's an important one and I tell this story of you know when our children were very little we we had this beautiful Filipina woman um, working for us and she'd come every day and make these wonderful dishes from her homeland homeland she showed up one morning with this fruit cut it up put it on a plate hand it to me was this juicy orange fruit, and I tasted it. I said, Melda, what is this fruit? This is the best fruit I've ever tasted. And she goes, it's a mango. And I was like, a mango? Why have I never tasted a mango before? I've been all over Europe. I've traveled so much throughout my life. How did I miss mangoes? And I was like, where'd you get them? I'm thinking she imported them from the Philippines. And she goes, at the grocery store. And I was like, what? You can get these at the grocery store? How naive am I? Like, what? How did I miss that? I'm missing the best fruit in the world. What else am I missing, right? Because I'm naive. What what people am I just walking past every day? Because I'm just naive about what they might hold. Well, that might be the best, you know, uh, friendship I've ever had. You know, the best business connection. What opportunities opportunities am I passing by every day? Because I'm naive that those opportunities are there for me. So. What that comes back to, I think, Bruce, is that beautiful curiosity that we're all born with as children. That, that's one of the roadblocks that has to do with curiosity, being willing to ask about everything in life. Because when we're children, we're, we come into this world wanting to know everything. We ask who, what, when, where, why, how, and, and we also ask for more, 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 right? But then at some point we get shut down. That gets crushed out of us, whether it's parenting, schools, jobs, military, you know, just basic rat life rejection. We start to, you know, become embarrassed to ask for things, want to wonder about things because we look stupid. We we're ashamed to ask for more of life, and so Mark and I are here to give you bring back that beautiful asking quality within you. That's why we wrote this book. It is the most essential thing. One of the most essential tools to your success. We want to rekindle that beautiful ability to ask that we all had as children. Um, it will make the most amazing difference in your life and success, whether it's in your success in relationships, career, your health and fitness and, and your life purpose. And It will bring you a level of happiness and awareness that you haven't yet achieved.
0: And I can say it's truly worked for me. I used to be more of a person who was afraid to ask. I didn't want to ask for things. And I've learned to do that. And then from reading your book, I thought, wow, yeah. And now I can do it even more because it makes it just more clear how it's really the right thing to do. I'm on the right track. Well, Mark, I want to ask you about pattern paralysis. That's one of the things you talk about in the book. Can you explain to Mindful Tribe what that means, what that really is?
1: I've got a brother that's 13 years older. Had a brother. He just passed away, but he came to stay at our house after he'd been gold mining and goofing off in Alaska with all of his friends. And he wants to go see our beautiful nature here in in uh, Sonora Desert. So we take him on a hike. And and what happened is that after the hike, you know, the next morning he had to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And I took him to the airport. And I said, "Now you know how to get through an airport." Now I've traveled a quarter million miles a year for 44 years traveling around the world as a professional speaker and trainer and, and businessman and it never dawned on me that my brother when his wife was alive dragged him through the airport and that he while he's got a photographic memory he didn't get it that he should have uh, memorize this so i said okay big brother you're gonna you're okay he said i've got it back to what she was saying about the macho man don't give me directions i know my way around. well in the middle of the afternoon, remember, there's was five in the morning. He should have been home, so I called, and his daughter answers, Jody, and I said, "Jody, is is uh, Bay there?" And Bailey is his name, and said, "You didn't hear?" I said, "Oh God, what happened?" He said, "He had to wait 13 hours at the airplane for the next flight." I said, "What do you mean?" There's in, in our beautiful airport here in Phoenix Sky Harbor, they wear purple jackets. I mean, they're, just walk up to him and ask, but he was too powerful and, and he's big and strong and, and he's super smart, but not smart enough to ask, right? This is that excuseology, right? And and pattern paralysis, the pattern is, I'll just figure it out myself. Well, he got to the gate late, they wouldn't let him on a plane and the next flight 13 hours later. And you know, so he wasted his day. And I, if he called me, I could have figured out something for him because I got airport protocol down. <laughs> you know, I, I could have figured out a solution for him and gotten him through somehow. But that's the danger. And that's why I said earlier to you, Bruce, We all have to hold up this mirror. Look at those seven things because they are either going to be tragic in our life or they're going to be magic. And it all comes back to one little thing that's ASK. We pivot our life positively or negatively, whether we're willing to ask or not. And we want to empower just like, thank you for saying that you love our book and that you read it. And it is empowering you to ask us, what if your life gets 10 times better, 100 times better, 1,000 times better because of one little tool technology That you was give it was gifted to you by God at at birth, and most of us have never conquered it and learned it. Instead, I'll just i go one step further and say, I've even got one of we got five kids and six grandkids, and one of my daughters says, You just walk up to anyone and talk to them. You think you can ask anyone? I go, You embarrass me, Dad. And I when she was a teenager, and I go, I embarrass you. I should embarrass myself, but I'm talking, if I walk up to Bruce and didn't know him and I knew who you were, I'd go, Bruce, can we talk? And you need to say yes or no, but I don't know why she should get embarrassed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's so funny. Crystal, uh, I love that there are such really cool concise short chapters that i can just pick up the book and i can read any one of these short chapters and and even if i've read the whole book i love to pick it up and go back and read some of these things now one of the things that you've you've talked about is how we become numb to our inner truth so What does that really mean for some of my listeners that maybe find that a little bit unclear? Can you explain what it means that we sometimes become numb to our inner truth?
2: Sure. No, I'm so glad you asked about this one because this is an important, this is one of the roadblocks that is so important and it's, it's about disconnection. And that disconnection means you've disconnected from yourself, you've disconnected from your purpose. You've just des- disconnected from your destiny because life has beat you up and life does beat us up. It will. And it will always beat us up guys. I'm not, I'm not saying it. this is, this is life is like a big education. You know, we're here, we're going to have trials and travails, but we're all going to have also going to have a lot of triumphs. If we understand the tools that help us and stay connected to ourselves. stay connected to our destiny, stay connected to our life purpose. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a tragic thing when a person, because we were all seated with greatness inside of us. We're seated. We have these seeds of destiny and these dreams in our hearts. That's why we say asking is literally the bridge from those dreams that are tucked away in your heart um, to your ultimate destiny. We want to make those come alive, but sadly many of us get that disconnection we become numb to our inner truth so we need to start asking again what is it that makes me feel alive in a perfect world you know if i had the success if i had the love that i wanted in my life what does that look like we have to start asking ourselves the first part of this journey of the asking journey ask yourself ask others ask god we say start with asking yourself those questions because we need to connect back to ourselves we need to come alive to our inner truth and stop numbing ourselves stop stop letting those disappointments of life make us numb to all that we were meant to be And, and we say in the ask yourself part there are three critical phases of asking I like to say it's like the first phase is you know where am I right now because we can't figure out where to go unless we know where we are right so where am I, like, what do I like about my life? What's not working? What's causing me great pain? What's, you know, how, how long have I been doing what I don't want to do? You know, is there something different for me? And then the second phase, so, so where am I now? Second phase is where do I want to be? You know, this helps you release the numbness, start to come alive again. Where do I want to be? We have to ask ourselves that question. Start imagining exactly what it is. Mark and I like to say, imagine the best scenario. Imagine your perfect scenario of love, perfect scenario of relationships, perfect scenario of success, perfect scenario of health and wellness, and then see that picture in your mind and say, what am I doing every day? What am I, who am I talking to every day? What activities are important to me every day in this scenario of my perfect success? And in this way, when you start asking yourself these questions and writing them down, Right, right, right. like Mark was saying, we spend every morning an hour, give yourself that time because it's the most important time, it's more important than anything else you do. Write down your questions and write down the answers. And then the final phase of that, once you say, where do I want to be? It's like, what specific actions am I going to take to get there? And start writing those actions down. And it's so magical, it's so important. And you can come back to life again. We need every single person to come back to life. You're important to this world. We need all of us to be participating and playing full out. You're not here to shut yourself off and to disconnect and become numb.
0: I love that insight, Crystal. I really do. Mark, I've worked in bullying prevention for over 10 years. And I want to ask you if you have a story, maybe a story you've never told before of where you were bullied. Maybe you were bullied one time in your life, or maybe you were a bully. Do you have a story you can share with us where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference? I was going to do another
1: one, but uh, she reminded me of a great story. I'm in eighth grade and, and, uh, Six of us went to eighth grade school every day, and, and uh, the minister drove us because he had time. He didn't have to be at his church. It was a big Lutheran church. Uh, Pastor Dr. Brooke, and his son was one of my buddies, uh, Tom Brooke. Anyhow, we're in this purple car because he got a super cheap car that nobody would have bought. <laughs> it's sort of embarrassing to go to eighth grade in a purple car. Talk about, you know, it just was a little unusual. Anyhow, we arrive at school, and I had— Grown so tall, so fast. What happened is I started doing bodybuilding. I'm doing it again, but I was chugging 20 grams of protein a day, and I shot up like a foot and a half. And now I'm the tallest kid in class. I'm six foot four. I'm 13 years old. I'm gangly. I'm uncoordinated, and I write the biggest news guy, the biggest radio station. You may even remember WLS in Chicago, right, with the the great Pumpkin, who will answer every kid's question, right? Because I was a millennial at the, equivalently at the time. So I say, dear Great Pumpkin, my name is Mark Victor Hanson. I'm at Webster Junior High School. I'm in eighth grade. I'm six foot four and too tall for my class. Well, sure enough, we're in the car with six kids.
2: Oh,
1: what do I do? Yes. And what do I do? Because I'm six foot four, too tall, and I'm uncoordinated. And sure enough, it comes over the radio. The Great Pumpkin says everything. And he says, I'm going to tell you what to do today, Mark. Uh, cut off your head and carry it to school the paper bag. <laughs> oh, man. man. Every kid, where's your bag, Mark? Where's your bag Talk about, uh, heat on embarrassment. Even, that you know, we change classes every, I'm going to say 40 minutes. I don't know how long it was, seven classes during a day from 8 o'clock in the morning on. And everybody knew this story, and it was like, oh, man. Now I understand it because I'm in the business of, of promote, promote, promote. Good news or bad news, promote it, you know. <laughs> and, and I don't mind promoting it. I got tears in my eyes still because I remember – the pain of that and you know it's sort of verbal billing rather than punchy billing bullying but it's the same bullying
0: that is a really funny story just uh, carry your head in a paper bag and you'll be fine
2: (laughs) he thought the guy was going to solve the problem for him but just the vulnerability.
0: (laughs) yeah you made it worse
2: (laughs) the vulnerability of a 13 year old you know thinking that someone's going to give him the answer and then yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Crystal, I want to ask you, you know, I know that a lot of people have said on my show, suffering is necessary for them to achieve success. What have you suffered with in your life, Crystal?
2: Oh my goodness. How long do you have?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have all day.
1: (laughs) You know, I
2: think one of uh, the toughest times in my life, I I felt like I grew up in an Aussie and Harriet kind of family and then um everything changed when i was a teenager and my parents ended up getting this nasty divorce and at the time it was so horrifying to have parents who got divorced so humiliating to me and um so i ended up um i high school was always easy for me so i accelerated my curriculum and graduated at age 16 and married a guy five years older than i because i thought my parents don't know how to do anything you know i'll show them how to have a marriage this guy talked me into marrying him. Now I knew deep down at some level, I didn't know what I was doing. Obviously I was, it was, you know, um, two and a half. It's not a great life plan. I get it. So two and a half years later, I'm in a city by myself, baby on my hip. No idea how I'm going to support myself. No family and friends. I was divorced. Um, that didn't work out. And I did the thing. I, the only thing I could think of was to apply, apply for food stamps get, to, to get diapers and food for my baby and I, so, I went to the grocery store that first time, stand, and I remember standing in line, getting ready to turn those food stamps over for my groceries. And all of a sudden, I had this epiphany. And it's like I was looking at myself outside of myself, and this like, light was shining on me. And the first question, a question dropped into my head. And it was, How did I get here? Mm-hmm. And this followed by a second question, which was, Are you doing everything you can to get out of this situation, or are you taking the easy way out? And it's like my moment of truth. I knew it's like busted. I knew the answer was I was taking the easy way out. And in that second, I did this pivot inside my mind and heart where when I just that fast, as I turned those food stamps over to the cashier, I was saying with so much conviction in my own mind, not to her, but I said, this will not be my future. And I didn't even finish the food stamps. I think I threw them away. I went home and I thought, okay, I don't have any answers, but I have questions. That's what I have. We all have questions, right? Even when we don't have answers, we always have lots of questions. That's the beauty of asking. That's how we're going to get out of it. So I started asking myself, how can I make money tomorrow? What can I do that I can get paid for? i had been hearing about temporary service agencies on the radio and I like Kelly services. So I called, said, how do I get signed up to be a Kelly a Kelly girl. (laughs) So they told me to fill out the paperwork, say what I'm good at. I'd worked at my dad's law office, you know, growing up. So that was helpful. And I'd worked in, uh, stores like, uh, retail stores from a young age. I think, I think I fudged my age and said I was, you know, 16 when I was really 14. So I, I started working at a young age. And so then I, um, started doing all these jobs and then I realized, well, there are other temporary service agencies. If I register for all of them, I'll get a better choice of a selection of jobs because they would call you and say, here's the job. Do you want it or not? You could say yes or no. So I started working at attorney's offices filling in and I was working at malls, setting up booths and I was working at conventions, doing sales, and started learning a lot about myself. And I learned that I was actually pretty good a business and sales. I love sales and I, that I really love people and just being around people, working with people. Um, so I decided to take that money and put myself through real estate school. Um, and also in the meantime, someone had approached me and said, you should do some modeling. So I went to the biggest agency in town and asked them if they would sign me, not knowing anything about, I never walked out a runway. I remember they put me on the runway and said, walk down the runway. Thank goodness I had done ballet lessons. When I was little, They did sign me. They said yes. And I ended up doing some television commercials, which, ended up going national. So I ended up starting to get residuals and royalties from that. So literally Bruce, a year and a half from the time that I was, you know, getting eviction notices every month with standing there with those food stamps about a little more than a year and a half later, I'm now working for the biggest home builder in our Valley. I became the number one salesperson at our company and I'm getting these great, royalties from Screen Actors Guild, which also allowed me to have great benefits for me and my little boy. And it was just amazing to me when I would look back on that, I thought, what how did I do that? You know, it, it was a great lesson for me to observe for myself, to never lose the lesson, you know, because I could have, I had it was that pivotal moment. I could have easily felt sorry for myself and just cascaded downward as you do in that spiral but I was so thankful looking back that I was able to ask myself those tough questions. And then even more importantly, answer them honestly. Right.
0: And you know, it's the way you explain it. It's so easy to understand how you came up with the subtitle, the bridge from your dreams to your destiny. It just sounds exactly like what you've just been describing and mindful tribe. The book is simply called ask which is such a great, concise title. And you really need to get your hands on this book. Now, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So I'll just alternate between you. So Mark, the first question is this, and I should have said just quick 30 second answers are perfect. This is the question, Mark, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life?
1: The lady sitting next to me is the most <laughs> important, wonderful, wise, brilliant, beautiful, exciting person I've ever met.
0: Wow, that's that's fantastic. And Crystal, how has mindfulness affected your emotions?
2: Oh, tremendously because I realize that um, it helps me remember that what is going on outside of me that's causing me to feel these things can always be questioned and it's not necessarily the truth that if I go inside and be still with myself, that I can get, find the truth.
0: Awesome. Mark, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is
1: everything because breathing brings you back to being your center. You know, and, and um, I even wrote a forward to a book called Three Breaths by my um, keto master and teacher, Tom Crum. And, and three breaths are what you got to take before you go into meditation, I believe. And then on the way out, it relaxes you, it centers you, and, and once you do it in, in present time availability, like you teach on the videos we watch, you bring yourself into, into, here's where you bring yourself. You bring yourself, I've never said this before, but I think you you can agree or disagree, but I think you get in touch with your soul, the essence of who you are, the God in you. That's what I believe.
0: Ah. Uh... And uh, Crystal, if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, other than this awesome book called Ask, what book would come to mind?
2: There are so many good ones, but I love this book and a lot of people aren't aware of it. It's one of my all time favorite books. It's by a woman named Candace Pert, who was um, actually nominated for a Nobel Prize for her work in science, but it's called the Molecules of Emotion. And it really gives the scientific explanation of how what we feel and what we believe literally manifests in our entire body um, as molecules of emotion. It it, it literally creates physical changes in our body. It's a fascinating read. I love this woman. She's deceased now. But, yeah, I love that book.
0: And I'll put all of this into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Mark, can you share an app? Which can help with mindfulness?
1: Yeah, here's what we want to do. We've created askthebookclub.com, and we want everyone to go out and get our book at Amazon because that's pretty much the only place you can get them anywhere. And that literally works around the world now. I mean, we sell books in Vietnam this minute, in Australia and Africa. It's sort of amazing to me. And knowing that, we want to go buy – if you know somebody that's depressed, despondent, disconsolate, or suicidal – I beg you to get 10 books and give them away because books, it transformed my life and kept me alive when I went bankrupt. So I'm real clear what it did for me and I know what it'll do for others. And our life is here to help people transform from good to phenomenally good and hit their destiny. So, and then we're doing this book club for free, askthebookclub.com after you get it, join it. And we're gonna try and do everything we can to help everyone transform and become what we call masters of asking.
0: Wow. Masters of asking. That's great. I just love that. You know, it's been so terrific to interview both of you on the show today and to just talk about the importance of being willing to ask. And like I said, I enjoyed the book immensely. Crystal, do you have any final words as we uh, kind of wrap up our interview today?
2: I just want to remind the listeners that there literally is no mechanism in available to any of us, that has the ability to reveal what is hidden, like asking. So please take this asking journey and start to reveal to yourself those things that will lead you to your greatest destiny.
0: Thank you so much for that, Crystal. Mark, thanks again for being on the show today.
1: Thank you, Bruce, for having
2: us. It was wonderful. You're great.
0: Thanks so much. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I've taken the top 12 books that are mentioned on the mindfulness mode podcast and I've put information about those books together into an ebook, and I'm making that available for you for free just go to mindfulnessmode.com top 12 books that's a free gift for you mindful tribe so take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode